it's never too late ever it's never and you know and you're not broken the way you are right now is just a survival mechanism Welcome back to the Yeti Voice Podcast. I spoke to Claudia Gertzelman, who's a end-of-life doula. This episode, thanks to Claudia, is so full of power and intrigue. She is such an interesting human being and has so much to teach us all. I hope you enjoy this episode and be sure to stick around to the end so you can get all of her details. Claudia, welcome to the podcast. <coughs> it's really good to have you here. How are you doing? I'm 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 great. I just had a cup of coffee and I'm ready to go on a windy road with you. It's fantastic. I'm <laughs> really excited to have you here. Um you know, when we connected, it was um it was kind of a providential thing for me. It's it's one of those things in my life that comes up again and again. It's um the journey to be you know, building character to be more useful, to be a stronger, more helpful human being to my family, to my friends. When crises happen, uh, crises, crises, when those happen. <sighs> so when we connected and, and you mentioned that, you know, you want to talk about death, you know, this, this huge topic that is so complex and so challenging to so many people. I just thought that that is so exciting. What yeah. made that come into your mind as a topic? What made that? Well, um, on my personal level, which ignited this whole uh, journey into or on towards death, it was five years ago, I went through a life a, middle, a crisis, a life crisis, I went through a divorce. And the old self, my old self died. And then I rebirthed my new, my, my new who I am now. And I'm, I think I'm still rebirthing. And I got really interested on death, on the topic of death. And it's fascinating because when you say, usually people are like, ooh, death. And it has this stigma of dark, um, heavy, brown. You know, it's just so people like shriek away and don't want to talk about it. So as synchronicities go in life, um, fast forward, I found myself becoming an end of life doula. I did an education. And um, I can elaborate on that. But um, before I go there, it sort of was started to shine light onto the topic. And for me, death is, we're born to die. We experience many deaths in our life. We don't have the language. We don't even know that we are going to experience or we're in the middle of, a, of this death and a rebirth and this grieving process. And so... I just really want to be part of that conversation to take that darkness away and the heaviness and really bring it back to what it is. It's an it's a celebration of, of a life lived and it doesn't need to be the big death. It's just even our normal a period, a, um, a captured um, in our life, in our personal lives. That's pretty beautiful. You know, I think it's, Look, I mean, it's something that in my life I've found so transformative. Um, you know, my nan was a very huge part of my life and my upbringing and very instrumental in my nan is my grandmother uh, on mm. my mother's side. And she was just a powerful woman. Um, she, when she passed away, uh, it's something that I think we were all dreading like terribly because, you know, you lose the matriarch of the family. It's, it's just you know, the way our family was set up, it just seemed like that was going to be the end of everything mm. uh, because of how much she did to hold everyone together. She did a lot of work for that. And uh, my aunt Joy, uh, who does who has Soul Awakenings essay, um, she worked in such a powerful and beautiful way with that process of, of her letting go and moving on that it removed the the trauma and the and the and a lot of the pain i think from that moment so you could appreciate the fact of you know the the small beautiful moments of the end of her life i unfortunately wasn't there when she passed away um but my sister my mother my aunt they were and they said that it was 
strangely beautiful you know the the way it, it all ended out with with all the work that joy did with her beforehand and i have no idea what that entails you probably would mm. but um it, it's just uh it's something that really resonates with me so i just want to get so much knowledge out of you because <laughs> it fascinates me <laughs> what is it about this you know, when you reinvented yourself, why did you become a death doula? What what was the heartstring for you that was pulled into that direction? My curiosity, I think, just pulled me there. I couldn't even completely name it. And since I now curiosity, I opened myself and then the synchronicities happened. And so I, I, I went to Boulder, Colorado and did this education. And it's this incredible woman who was setting up this, this circle. And we were 20 people, mostly women. And it was a period over three months. And we would just become so intimate with each other because we engaged on this topic of death. And death is not optional. You know, it's, it's I think we, we as the society right now, we have made in our minds optional and that because of that, it becomes so heavy. It's a, it's a subject we don't want to engage with. And even if we want to or willing to, then we don't have the tools. And um, so, but it's not, it's not heavy, right? It's, it's the most normal thing in life. It's like birth. Well, we're born, we're bursting. It's, you know, it's also actually a very intense physical experience to get be born out of some, out of a woman's body into this world and the first cry. And then at the end, it's the opposite, right? It's the from form to formless. And there's this last breath and it's, it's so magical. I, I don't know. And it also, we need to talk about love and then we need to talk about life because it's this almost summary when we go there like and it's a reflection of how well did we live how much did we love and when we do that well then we can go from form to formless in a very beautiful sacred and celebrity intimate way that's my belief system so how do you, how do you, so I don't really understand the entirety of what you do as a death doula. So are you dealing with people who are slowly coming towards death or people who also people who have suddenly experienced an unexpected death? Well, okay. That's thank you for the question. It's uh, it's actually, I need to give two answers. So end of life doula, it's a new, fairly new, um, profession and it sprung up because um the way we handling deaths these days you know it's usually in a um, hospital setting or maybe in a hospice but it's away from the family we took deaths away so we don't talk about it and then death happens and it's so so stressful for the family for the person itself because there's no plan and set up there's no people don't know what to do they don't know what their beloved one wants maybe you want to have a celebration maybe you want to have a party maybe you want to invite all of your friends and they hold you in this space to say goodbye maybe you want to be alone maybe you want to have your favorite playlist what about your legacy what are you leaving behind what about your financial means um, you know, what about the preparation? If you know you're going to pass, maybe there's a wish you have. Maybe you're able to go on another trip. You know, maybe you want to make men's, um, what is it called? Um, you know, mend your, your relationship with your daughter, with your aunt, with a very good old friend you haven't talked to in years. And you want to write a letter or call up this person. So this is the work of the end of life doula. You're going to help facilitate all of those unanswered questions. And these are maybe questions you even didn't know you had. Sure. Okay. <sighs> so when you are given sort of a case, shall I call it, or a person to work with, mm -hmm. um, 
how do you get a gauge on where they are now versus where they could be in this process to have it be, you know, non-stressful, non-traumatic for them and the family? Mm. Actually, well, I didn't even answer the second question, but we can... <laughs> oh, let's go <laughs> there first. Let's go there first. Let's go first. Um, well, it's all connected, right? So... It's that coaching. It's a, it's a, you coach and work with the person, the family to arrive at those answers. And, you know, there's, um, forms I would send with, um, questions and then everybody personally has to fill them out. There's to be a willingness. It's probably painful, but also heartwarming to learn more about oneself. So when I did this education after I decided that I don't completely want to work actually with the end of life, like literally sitting on a bedside. Because I think the work, the work needs to start way, way earlier. It cannot start three months or a week before it all comes down to. You need to start with it right here, right now. And you need to engage on this topic and you need to learn about yourself and know who you are. And it brings you also this, you know, when you ask the question, okay, I have three months to live and we can go there hypothetically or six months. You know, what is it? Who do I need to be? Who, wh how did I, how am I living? How have I lived? Do I want to, do I have some relationships I need to mend? And when we bring these questions into the here and now, into the middle of our life, we probably realize, hmm, I know why I'm having this knot in my belly why I'm not happy in my relationship, why I am going to this nine to five job and I, I hate it. I need to make some changes. So for me, these tools should be applied into the now. And then we work on a plan for you to live a more authentic and fulfilled life. It sounds like something that you know, people who aren't about to, uh, who you know, if you haven't been given like this terminal news, mm -hmm. it sounds like someone like me who's relatively healthy, I should be doing this process as well, you know, just on the off chance. I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, this is the thing, right? We, we live and this is, um, I'm just saying society puts these ideas on us with our fast lived social media. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. And this is not heavy. It's just a fact of life. And we have seen it with um, COVID. Who would have thought a year ago that the entire world would just shut down? <laughs> Nobody. I mean, this is literally a year that I came to Germany from the US to be with my parents. And I came with a suitcase for a week and I was going to fly back. And, you know, I remember when I was in the airport in, in Ireland, I was stopping over to fly to Frankfurt. And they're like, well, you know, we can't give this to you because um because of the virus and i was like whoa this seems all hyped there's this yeah. media hype going on i don't believe it and then it just all crumbled down and all so many many things we took for granted have been all stripped away so it's exactly that right you wake up in the morning but it, there's no guarantee for anything the only guarantee is that we have ourselves and when we ask the question Hey, have you lived? How well have you loved? Have you told your beloved ones? I miss you. And we're so, we don't, we're not free enough with this. We really should. We should tell our, the people we care about that we, they, they mean a lot to us, that we, you know, value them. So, I mean, this is sort of where I'm going with this, right? It's just about this, how alive are you willing to be? What does it mean to be alive? You know, are you truly living that authentic life? It's a gift. You are a gift right here, right now, that we get to speak to each other in this, in this moment in time. It's a gift. It makes beautiful memory, right? So it's this being in the present moment. Makes a lot of sense, you know. Mm. It's, 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 it's almost distracting because it's just, <laughs> it's just the truth. You know, I, I think that there's a lot that people have to give up, though, to get to that point of releasing that wall. Um, I have an occasionally annoying habit of just 
spewing love on people that I am close to. So if I have a thought, this is what started to happen to me. I get a thought in my head that I say, it says you should send a person in your life this message saying that you appreciate them or they're next to you and you just say it. If I stop myself, I start to feel quite queasy, you know? I start mm. to feel a bit ill, which is strange. And then, um, and that persists until I actually go, you know what, I appreciate you because you're, you're resilient and you're wonderful and whatever else I need to say. Then I feel fine again. It's almost mm. like this like weird buildup until I actually say the thing. Um, but yeah, sometimes I think it can get a bit much because sometimes it's just like relentless. <laughs> but um, I, I honestly think that there, there's a reason for that. You know, I don't understand the reason, but I think it's more important to do positive things than to always understand why you're doing them. Yeah, um, maybe, you know, maybe it's like even you walk down the street and you can tell hey, I hope you have a beautiful day. Maybe people look at you weirdly, but then it's also you yeah. start to break this mold of this silence and people, oh, thank you. Or I love your shoes. You know, little tiny things. And we've, oh, yeah. that was nice. Thank you. You know, yeah. oh, I like your smile. And that travels on. It's all about its energy, right? We're so locked into our own little bubble. And like, let's just open it. Um, what possibly could go wrong if you tell somebody, I value you, I love you, I, you mean so much to me. That, I mean, wow, somebody tells me this, my heart is like, oh, I feel better, I feel nourished. It's this yeah. beautiful energy coming towards me. It's beautiful. I think yeah. that it sometimes, um, it sometimes can make people uneasy because they might not have had much of that in their life from the people in their life already. So it mm -hmm. might come as a bit of a, a shock or, or something like that. But I think sometimes the shock's good for people. Right. You know, it's so interesting. So there we are. I'm, I live in California. I've become Californian. Californians are so easy, similar to South Africans, I think. There's a very similar vibe, right? You know, the surfer environment, everybody's friendly, smiley. Then I come to Germany. And the German culture is definitely way more straight, in a box much more reserved. I go to the supermarket and I'm so used to saying, hey, how are you? Good morning. How, how is it? <laughs> Nobody in Germany really does that. Suddenly the lady behind on the cashier, she stops and she's like, oh, you asked me uh, how I am? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for asking me. Okay. Well, my day is okay. And so we have this whole conversation. <laughs> it's so funny, these little <laughs> tiny cultural differences. Well, you know, and, and she's like, oh, she felt touched because nobody asked her. But then it's this, and then in, because I'm so used to it. But in the US, when you ask, how are you? Nobody would even give a, nobody would even look up. They're just, you know, you go on with your groceries, it just become a, a phrase. So I, I just, yeah, it's so fascinating. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's these little things, but they make a difference. Yeah. Oh. It's fascinating how that difference needs to be made, though, you know, with our sort of condensing of the world into a smaller footprint. It's just so much easier to share those positive traits of different cultures, you know. Mm. There's so much of that to share as well. Yeah. So where have you lived, apart from Germany and the US, where have you traveled to or been I influenced am... by? <laughs> I'm a global, global being. Um, I lived in Africa and then I lived in, um, I lived in Nigeria, actually, of all places for two and a half years. So, and I traveled in Africa quite a bit, um, been to South Africa many times. I love South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I lived in Indonesia and then in Singapore and then the US, German born. That's a mm. lot of different places. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think also that maybe should something we maybe in the future can change. I think travel should be an obligatory thing you should take in class because it really opens your horizon and you realize oh, we're all the same. We all want to live just a peaceful, beautiful life as our yeah. relatives, no matter of, you know, what skin, what eye, what religion, whatever. It's 
we're all in this oneness together it's a uh, i was i was listening to uh, there's a youtuber called bo i don't know his exact youtube channel but mm. i'll put it in the comments um he was talking about the recent sort of asian hate cap attacks in the us which obviously you know reprehensible uh, he was talking about how you know there's a message in the usa that you know this isn't us this isn't what we do but he makes a historical case of how this is very much us <laughs> you know as mm. as us people from the us you know which isn't me but you know it is him but he was talking about how there's this change that needs to happen by inclusivity you know and the, and the only way to do it is you know if you have a friend of a different race religion whatever it is take mm. them out with you when you go places show them what you do go out with them just but like blend the groups so that it, you normalize each other right and when you normalize each other you are you know it's a small inter interpersonal change that you're doing but what you're doing if enough people do it is you're disabling any propaganda that comes in to try and make anyone other won't work anymore because they're no longer other they're us you know because you've built each other into each other's communities and embraced each other i think that's pretty important yeah don't you think it's fear what people don't know it's the foreignness of things you know i think it's in every country we see this i mean it's so the politics need to change there need to be a you know politic of integration and acceptance i mean we have this in europe too i mean germany is very interesting to to be here because of suddenly we had this influx of syrian refugees and germany is pretty white and we we have this crazy history of the second world war and hitler and here we are the fear is creeping in oh my god you're foreign you're so foreign why what do you want to do here and then it spirals into education right so if there is no education then you don't know and what you don't know creates that fear and that makes you and you fear you become protective and then you start hating basically i had this really interesting experience where it was just made so evident to me that difference just as a natural reaction in a human being's soul can really can release such fear you know i was mm. in thailand mm -hmm. and i was walking around a supermarket in a very rural area i mean very very rural um and i walked around the corner and there was a small thai child i don't think he'd ever seen a white person before mm -hmm. and he just screamed and like like he'd seen a ghost and he just kept screaming until his mother came he was frozen to the spot he was horrified you know and i suppose you can get a bit of a complex about that sort of thing but you also understand that it's it's just something he's never experienced it's strange to him and he's i mean it's very young i mean he must have yeah. been about four or something but it's at that young age to have that reaction to mm. difference that's, that was amazing to me mm. did you did you have an interaction with the mom then or yeah I, we yeah. she sort of smiled, smiled and she's mm. sort of said sorry and everything but you know <sighs> i it's i told her as best as i could sort of show her that it's not a problem you know like it's kids are weird you know what are you yeah. gonna do uh, <laughs> just one of those things but i think it's just so fascinating that you know that that reaction surprise or fear reaction to things that are different is already mm. in us and it can be so easily exploited if it's such yeah. a root yeah and i think that's uh, also what's happening a little bit right now around the world but stepping back into this um space of fear and fear sits very deeply i think if we want to work on fear we have to become very conscious yeah you know it because it infiltrates us right oh yeah mm. yeah it's something that sort of builds as well you know it's like one of those storm clouds it starts off this small and then just mm. builds into this big dark beast and then just yeah. pelts you with rain and everyone gets drenched and it's no good for anyone you know and mm -mm. i suppose you know that's a rubbish analogy for you know the the terrible events that have happened around the world i mean for various reasons with cultural differences religious differences i mean as far as 
as far as sort of religions and and that stuff goes i personally feel like we're all climbing the same hill but from different slopes you know what mm-hmm. i mean so we're all kind of reaching whatever that enlightenment is i don't understand it i'm still on my journey to figure that out but other people maybe they've got a better handle on it than me but that's at the moment what i think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh i think we all don't know we're all trying to do our best we can until we know more and do it better i guess you know I'm, i i i totally i always say i don't know it's the best i don't know anything I just don't, I, I go along, but can I say I know? I don't. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> it's a when mystery. When you're doing your work, how, how, you work with more the person, I'm, I feel, from what you're saying. So that to me means that whatever the religious beliefs or cultural beliefs that person has, that's not really a barrier for you to work with them. Is that right? Well, I have not come across um anybody who let's say was islamic or had a very strong belief because you know the the people who find me it's a it's a language i speak and we find each other so there's already um maybe a base of consciousness and there's a curiosity to learn more and dive in and wanting to work on um what's in the way and just become closer getting closer to the authentic self i don't know how it would be i don't know if it it would interfere with the work but at the end as you said it's just truly about being human and wanting to live a more authentic life so would that interfere if you would have to, if you say, I have to go to the mosque um, every Friday and Saturday? And like, no, probably not. Because at the end, all you want to do is know more about yourself and your, your, your goals and live a more li- a life fulfilling with love, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, they would have to find you, which means mm. that they would have to have an interest in that language anyway, which right. probably denotes a certain amount of openness. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I suppose we might find out one day. We don't know yeah. <laughs> I keep you posted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. But, and religion, you know, a religion is an interesting topic, right? I think it, maybe we all should, if we have a philosophy and a belief system of being good, a good human on, this, on Mother Earth, on our planet... And religion itself, when you take religion, then it's become the the, the it becomes so political, right? The structures of certain religions. But if we strip all of that away, as you said, then it's the same goal. Yeah, yeah. And you can honor them both at the same time, more than likely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's that bandwidth. That's a beautiful thing, though. That it's that it's just a universal language that you're that you're trying to get people to buy into. And that is kind of the the one route that connects all the different belief systems. And that's that focus on love, mm-hmm. you know, that do unto others as you have them do to you. Vague message around that, you know, there's, yeah. there's a similarity there pretty much across the board. I think that's a, a, a beautiful thing that has often been kind of waylaid in in terms of disputes and things but it's something we always come back to Mm, yeah we always we need to come back to to that oneness and the diversity also it's the spice of our meal right why would we want to eat always everywhere around the globe the same thing no we don't we want to have all these diverse cuisines and that's what our cultures provide and our languages and our customs so it's that spice we add and then, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I'm, it's fascinating sometimes how people have this tunnel or, or vision. So, you know, you go on a vacation, you go to this exotic destination, that's fine. Then you eat the culture, you, or, you, you know, the meal and you take in the culture and you, you're like, wow, this was a great, amazing experience. But then you come back home and that same person is your neighbor. And suddenly like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> can't trust it i don't know that person foreign it's gonna take my job away who has four children mm, i don't know what to do with that and so it's this it's really interesting 
It's an interesting how many layers of fear potentially. Yeah. I mean, it could come from anywhere, but it's the the job insecurity, the money insecurity, the are my tax bills footing the bill for someone who doesn't deserve it. I mean, there's a lot of like as humans are inherently selfish, right? Mm. And we're selfish and we're ignorant. And I'm both of those things, which is why I'm saying this, because it, you get to this point where it's like, look, I'm paying taxes and therefore I'm the government's boss. That's what some people kind of extrapolate. And then they go, well, this is me at 17. If you pay taxes, you're the government's boss. And if you're the government's boss, then you get to sort of be upset when they misspend the money. And if they're giving it to somebody who doesn't deserve it, and you know, some people think that's criminals, some people think that's whoever, foreigners or something like that. I think that it's it's just a manifestation of of that effect in um humanity where it's just ignorance and it's selfishness and it's kind of the antithesis of that love message. And I think we need them both to survive and not be taken advantage of and be mm. sane. But how do you balance that if you're out of balance to that extent in the first place with all of that cultural and historic and family sort of bloodline pain, hurt and trauma? I mean, that's the more I think about all of the things that could give somebody a traumatic passing. I mean, it's just immense. <laughs> it's a huge amount of things. How do you how do you even know where to start? I mean, I know you've studied it and you and you're an expert at this, but for somebody like me who's just who just hasn't and isn't, it just seems amazing that you can get even into the woods of something that complex. You know, <laughs> it seems like there's so many thorns. There are, but it's that it's a journey, right? And come, it starts with the willingness. It starts with the curiosity. Let's say if you come to me and you. Like I have this knot in my belly. I don't know what's going on. I don't have the language. I don't have words, but something I feel out of alignment and um, I want to learn what it is. So then we can start from there. That's the way in because there's something cracking in you because it's voicing it that you, it's so loud that you came to me and say, I'm off. Something is not right. I need to do something. I need help. Right, and then we dig in, we shine some light, and we find what it might be. And it might be a surprise. Because often it's not that what we think it is. Yeah. It's your 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 shoulder hurts, but it actually related to your ankle on the opposite side. Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> the, the level of knowledge that and, and the connections between it all is just mind boggling. Yeah. How did I mean, it pretty much encompasses a whole number of fields into one, really. What do you mean? So, Claudia, well, it's like you have to be a bit of like, a, have a bit of that doctor knowledge. You have to have a bit of that sort of therapist knowledge. You have to have little bits and pieces of everything to be able to understand the connections the way you do. You know, it's not just one level of knowledge. Mm. I think there is an intuition okay. and I think I said that earlier in the beginning of the conversation, I'm a people person. Mm. So, you know, my background and I'm still, I am a photographer. I work in advertising and I, I, I come to truly realize that the gift, one of the big gifts I have is to connect with people because when I take pictures, I have to create a trusting relationship in a fraction of a second. And so I have to really look, I looked through the camera and talked to a lot of people. <laughs> so I think I got this knowledge and I have to be really open because everything is energy. If I'm not open, you're not willing to be open. I have to make that first step. I invite you into my energy field, in my aura. And if you feel safe, you're going to come with me and then we're going to take these pictures and I see it in your eyes. I will feel your energy, you know, it's, and we work on it together. So the work I'm doing now is basically the same thing. We just have more time together and we do deep dives and we go into, you know, your underground world. So when you say you, you help them sort of, 
understand how well they've lived, how well they've loved. What does that really mean? Um, if you reflect back on your life, let's just even say the last year, and you start writing about it, there's things stand out. There will things come to your mind. If you give yourself five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, or you start a little habit of journaling and you like, I ask you what made you feel alive? Maybe at your first, you have one or two things, really things, they stand out. And then you're like, hmm, and that, hmm. And then also be like, hmm, that was, I uh, should have, maybe that could have been. So there's this inquiry, right? And we create the space together. We pause the things for them to arise. And our soul, our inner being will tell us. And usually we suppress it because we're afraid. We don't know. We numb, you know, we escape. And currently, let's say, because of COVID, a lot of the, that external distraction has been taken away. So, and that's a painful also for a lot of us who don't know our inner, inner being ourselves. We were like, oh, mm, I need, I need to go um, to the movies again because, you know, I need more numbing. I need external noise. So I don't have to engage. I don't want to hear the voices. I don't want to engage with my dragons. So it's that, right? And then it's the same with the love. You know, what is the quality of your love? How do you love? What does it mean to you even to love? And these are all such beautiful questions. <laughs> and yeah, they're so choosy. And then you get to go in there and we're like, wow, you know, what is, I've never thought about this. The quality of my love. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> How do you gauge the quality of, of love? I mean, it's your personal that? interpretation, but maybe you know yeah. deep down again when you create that space, you probably know that you could step into a much more vulnerable space. That you could really you, you maybe you said you have this urge of telling people. Maybe you're you're not. You're not that person. You just you have this urge of saying, oh my God, you know, it needs to come out. I need to hug people and really shower them with my emotions or my words and, and, and hugging physically and verbally. But maybe other people they you know hold back because there's this fear. Where does this fear come from to not say, I love you? Is it because you're afraid that that person could leave you? So then we can go, where does that come from? Or have you been left before? Yes, we all have been left before. And then usually it goes down into your childhood where we had been abundant as little children. So it's this interesting journeys we can take together in a safe space. And the more we know, we often find out that these are old constructs. They served us to survive when we were little because of the constellations we lived in. and We were not able to walk away because we were maybe four years old. But then now in our adult life, they're just, they, they are barriers, they're roadblocks. So we can take them away, work on them and realize I'm free. I am love. I'm okay. I can step into this vulnerable space. Nothing to lose. What can possibly happen? <laughs> I've seen, you mentioned abundance. And I find that there is a misunderstanding of abundance with a lot of people where they have this attitude of, if I give of myself in you know, telling people positive messages or just being honest, then I have less, you know, much like if you gave someone half your money, you'd have less money. People think that love works the same way when really it explodes the more you give it away. It yeah. just builds. And it's, have you experienced that attitude in people? Mm -hmm. that yeah. They think they're losing if they give that love. Yeah. It's because of that construct of, you know, of the fear of being left. If I tell you, I love you, then we open up, then we connect. And then tomorrow you're like, sorry, it didn't work out. So why would I tell you today? I love you. 
So it's better. It's just safer not to say that. So that's the story, right? The story, this belief system we have put in place for years and it works very well. And our ego mind is really good and a master in holding up that story. <laughs> it's all so, stories. Those stories, yeah. So we have to step with courage and bravery into this new space we create and learn that we can be safe. It's okay. And that, uh, you know, if I say, I love you, that you say also you love me, but that it's this third container we're creating and nothing belongs to us anyway. I can love you and can walk away. I still can love you and love you forever. It's beautiful. It doesn't mean you need to be physically next to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. I mean, I've got friends like all over the world who I haven't seen in years but we're still close as the day we I walked away onto the mm. plane you know it's it's pretty crazy you know i've experienced not seeing people for almost a decade and then when you do you feel like no time has passed either it's just like that space has been held you know right. yeah i think if it's real if it's meant to be it will always yeah. be yeah. you know you don't see each other for years and then you come back and you're like oh my god here you are. It doesn't it feels like yesterday? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. How do you find? How do you find people? What's it like? It's a difficult question to ask because there's so many different ways to ask it. How do you? What's the biggest thing you find people have holding them back? You know, what what's the thing holding people the most people? What's the thing holding most people back? in their journey towards a peaceful transition what if you could sort of say i've had x number of cases on average most people have a similar issue what would that be are there you mean like the big deaths from end of life or yeah. just small deaths as well for the end of life mainly i think not having loved enough you mean if if what people would just come back and like the biggest regret maybe for instance yeah. is that what yeah, yeah. yeah not having lived enough and not having loved enough it's wow. like you know the i think we as a society we live so future oriented mm. you know there's the system in place we, we work 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 and then we go into retirement and then we start living right it's being taught to us by our systems but that 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 would never may never arrive. So what are you what are we all waiting for? Yeah. Again, it comes full circle to the beginning of the conversation in a way, because all we have is the here and now, because we don't know what's tomorrow. So when you start wanting to live in a year or in five years or in ten years or even in twenty years, because then finally you're going to, you know, have saved the money and then you're going to do this and that. Wow then you miss the, it's the journey, not the destination. It's the nowness. So, and I think that is the most heart-wrenching realization to me and to people at the very end. To say, can you imagine to say that? I wish I would have loved more. That gets me. That's just like, wow. And I think that word is energy inside me comes where i really want to change the conversation around death and be like no you know live just let's live and i'm not saying i'm not advocating for like you know quit your job <laughs> sell your house or whatever you know and have this adventurous life it doesn't take that much it's just really stepping into that nowness and being fully aware of what's surrounds you your environment it's springtime here in germany it's magical you know really taking in what is going on you look at a flower and that can make you feel so alive it can give you so much joy you know birds anything small things the small things are usually the big things that it's what it takes so that you can then say i lived i lived yeah that is beautiful. That is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. and I think, again, it's something that for me has been a lesson I've experienced from children. I mean, when I came back from London, 
Uh, I was, a, I'm not a very good traveler, so I was dehydrated and a bit miffed. So I went to bed and um, staying with my uh, now fiance and very early in the morning, there was a hell of a knocking on the door, you know, and I opened the door and because she lived just next door, here's my fiance's little four-year-old sister mm-hmm. frowning at me. And the first thing, not hello, not anything like that. She said, why aren't you smelling the flowers? <laughs> oh my God, you know? I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't know what to say. So I said, well, because I was asleep. And she said, no, and she grabbed me by the finger and she marched me around that entire, I mean, it's a large property. She marched me around that entire place, making me sniff every different type of flower oh. until she was quite done. And it was a wonderful introduction to this wonderful little soul who I now, you know, we, we know her so well. And uh, I just, I love that because, <laughs> you know, I was in the space of, of me and I've been in a plane and I deserve to sleep and I deserve to be a bit cross. And, you know, I'm, I'm very entitlement. I'm very entitled with my, uh, with my disgust sometimes. So I just, I just really settle into it and I just be cross sometimes, you know? And for this little four-year-old, without even knowing who I was, to just be fed up that I was wasting the day and not appreciating whatever was around me, I thought that was just the most beautiful awakening. <laughs> wow. What an, yeah, welcome back to South Africa, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story. Just... They remove all those layers that we learn. We forget yeah. all of those things that we just inherently know. Exactly. We can learn so much from children. And, you know, maybe we also need to step back into that space of playfulness and to letting go and being creative. And, you know, again, the question is, is like, what makes you feel alive? Maybe it's like, you know, go dance, dance in the kitchen, go dance in front of your computer, you know, put on your favorite music, go into the, your, your, your backyard, you know, who cares? And maybe some neighbor will be like, what's going on? And maybe they feel inspired, break the mold, just be you, you know, yeah. whatever. I don't That's know. It. I had you a neighbor f- yeah. for a year. Every time he saw me, you would, I, I didn't, I didn't think I was doing anything particularly strange, you know, but apparently I do th- everything in a strange way because all you would hear he comes out of his house, you're a strange guy, Jeff, you know? Okay. I'm a strange guy, bro. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, thanks for the compliment. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And I think he meant it as one because he was a bit of a strange guy himself, you know? Um, you know, he was, he was also in marketing, but he was one of those like, genius level marketer dudes who can come and go when he pleases and surfs most of the time but has amazing ideas and amazing execution so hell you know big bucks kind of a boy but he was he was a very strange cat and i appreciated him a lot you know Uh, (laughs) yeah i I would never have gotten to know him if he hadn't hollered that at me a few times you know there you go meet the person who's yelling at you you know Mm, yeah (laughs) It's so fascinating how we we live in so many with so many constraints and so many labels, and I think that's you know a lot of the work we really need to do in order to set ourselves free again. I mean, I I you know I'm I'm a person who questions everything. I've always done that, and I often wonder why do we live the way we live, or why is this rule there for what? I mean, it's my life. So it's, again, it's this empowerment to step into yourself. And if you feel this is what you should do because it makes you glow and vibe, then go for it. It's, you know, it's usually something beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's something that is intimidating to attempt, though, isn't it? I mean, it's scary as hell to go into that space of love when it's especially when it's not the people in your family so when we're talking about you know the others the people who are different to exactly what we are you know how can we be braver that's my that's my whole like fascination lately is how can we Mm. get to that point i mean i'm a i'm not brave when it comes to uh, you know including people that i might be you know nervous of or or like that thai child i have this sort of 
what the hell is going on here kind of reaction a lot of the time, you know? Mm. And But that's balanced with this weird curiosity where I, the first time I saw a Muslim gentleman, I was taken by surprise and I just ran up to him when he didn't seem to be talking to anyone. And I just said, what are you doing? Why are you dressed like that? And, and what's going on kind of thing. And he sort of laughed and explained, you know, this is what I believe. And then when we were sort of leaving, he touched a door handle and he said, Bismillah. And I said to him, well, hang on, what does that mean? Because <laughs> you know? I was just so curious about why he was doing what he was doing. And I had the same reaction when I saw my first Rastafarian person. I just had to know, why have you got dreadlocks? Mm. Why are you smoking that? What do you believe? You know, like, and I think I annoyed them a little bit, but I think they appreciated it more than they were annoyed. Because I mean, like a kid going, I know, with questions can be kind of annoying. Um, but those are people that I still know to this day because they were just, you know, I met them later in life again and we reconnect and all this sort of thing. But there's this, there's this thing where I will never forget them for their openness on such a touchy topic, mm. you know, where they, they don't know who I am. I could have been somebody who was going to judge them from the ground up, you know, but they had that response, maybe because they could see that I was just genuinely curious, but they had that openness and that honesty with me about what they're doing without trying to convert me or any of that old world strangeness. They were just telling me what they do because mm. that was the question. And right. They so have told me that they'll never forget that conversation either because it doesn't happen yeah. <laughs> to them. Right. And I think that's tragic that we're not just more it's something that I haven't done in a long time because I've being back in South Africa, I find myself sort of second guessing myself because of all the crime statistics, but it's something I'm getting out of more and more mm. and, and trying to release that fear and get back into trusting my intuition and my understanding of energy. You know, I can tell <clears throat> if somebody's up to no good, be wary of people who are up to no good. Not everyone. <laughs> right. No, but that's why you, as you said, you have your gut feeling or your intuition. And yeah. when we approach a person, you, your body will tell you. If you know yeah. yourself, if you're tuned, the more again we know about ourselves, the more we can really know what what our body is telling us and react. And we're like, oh, that's a that's a dangerous situation. Don't walk there. Yeah. But sometimes you, you know, it's simple things. Even you walk down the street and you get a weird vibe from somebody and you're like, mm, you, yeah. I want to cross the street yeah. or you meet somebody and you're like, wow, I'm so intrigued by you because there's this connection and you don't even know why you don't know anything about this person. Right. It's so fascinating. <laughs> we have so Absolutely. much knowledge inside of us. We need to tap it's, into that. <laughs> we really do. you know. Yeah. And I think we need to, the only way that I think I can remove this fear is by talking about it and by having it tempered because like, I'm a, I get fear reactions from different people than what some of my buddies have fear reactions to, mm -hmm. you know, like I have a buddy who I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want him to be harassed by anyone <laughs> who might take this the wrong way, but he has a really like, like a real panic reaction when he meets a gay person. Hmm. And he's, it's not a hate thing. It's just a fear thing. And I don't really understand it. But the fact that he can talk to me about it and the fact that I can talk to him about my fear of white men who have been drinking, hmm. you know, we can, he's better equipped at dealing with that because he's not paralyzed by fear. Well, I'm not paralyzed by fear, but there's, an, there's this huge element of fear. And, you know, I can help him because, I mean, you know, I've got gay friends, I've got friends of all types. And I can sort of say to him, well, look, mate, this is the, we can work, work our way through it together. And I think that removing each other's fear is the way forward. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, holding each other and um, telling one, you know, talking about it, maybe doing a deep dive and like, hmm, let's explore where does this fear sit? You know, even mm -hmm. in your body, does it sit yeah. in your heart? Does it sit in your, in your throat, in your neck or in your belly? And then going deeper I'm like hmm, maybe it triggers a memory maybe there was something when you were young you had an experience you can't even remember verbally that there was something but your body remembers on a physical level that there was something going on so i think that would be just an exploration maybe you find out and you're like hmm if i come to think of it yeah that 
Yeah, maybe it was a memory when you were really little and then something else happened when you were a teenager and it sort of all got smooshed together and yeah. you just have to sort of, you know, detangle it and work work your way to your place of origin. It's a lot of looking into the place you would rather not look, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the more we know each other, the more yeah. we know ourselves, you know. I think yeah. we need to befriend our dragons and demons, our shadows, so they yeah. don't control us. Yeah. And the fears are often, you know, held in these dark corners. And if we shine the light on those dark corners, you think it's a ginormous, crazy dragon. And then you just see this little tiny rat. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? That's it? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you can befriend it, you name it. And we're like, okay. Let's be friends. You're part of me. <laughs> it's so important. I think that it's... My friend Perry said something to me so beautiful the other day. He said to me that his idea of... Like, he, he's completely obsessed with his wife. He loves this woman so much. And he was telling me why. And he was saying um, that she is the ideal woman because she knows where her sword is, metaphorically speaking. She knows where her sword is and she keeps it really sharp and she could take his head off with it, but she doesn't, <laughs> you know, and that just speaks volumes to me. You know, it's just like, okay, <laughs> you know? because there's that, there's that power. There's that, there's that, she has the tools, she has the knowledge, she has the capability, but she has the restraint, mm. you know, and it's, it's just, it painted such a beautiful picture for me of, and it reminded me of my fiance as well, because I mean, she knows exactly where her teeth are and if she needs them, they're there, you know, and, and she'll, she can defend herself. She can, she's, she's incredible both intellectually and like just capabilities wise. She's a phenomenal woman. And it's one of those things that I think is such a blessing for me because it allows us to sort of grow and blossom further together and the same thing with him and 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 his and his wife because it's just it's just so much easier when you've got somebody who has the same if not like every belief and every understanding but they have that same passage that same intention to get to a better version of me a, a safer part of my brain a more nurturing space for future generations i mean our kids somebody else's kids you might come in to you know meet or something like that you always want to nurture and grow that right it's the you know to grow together you're each other's mirrors mm -hmm. and you're willing to look at whatever comes up and see it as the ground for alchemy for growth to come for for both of you to grow into a better version of oneself right that's like the yeah. ultimate what that's what relationships are for so that's, that's great, beautiful yeah. and for someone yeah. like me and for perry as well it, it's very there's a lot of utility to having someone in your life who can keep you honest and keep mm. you in line and keep you being you you know they don't try and change you but they sort of go that particular, in my case, that particular outburst at that driver is not acceptable. It's not what you should be doing. It's, you know, she, she has that way of nurturing your good sides without changing who you are as a person. You know, you mm. still have, maybe you still get angry, but you don't, you know, call down every deity you can name to blast them with lightning, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And they just yeah. nurture that love. And I think that that for me is really what, impresses me the most about what you're doing because you're I can see with you know the strong woman that I know how much it takes out of them to keep their significant other honest true to themselves that sort of thing and it just blows my mind and it it, it amazes me that you are able to walk with so many people on such a complex and personal journey I mean I think that just is a testament to how that love builds the more you give it out. Mm. What is your understanding of where that strength comes from? Um, wow. <laughs> Thank you for saying all this. Um, I, I love, I love people and 
I also understand that I am just this container. I create space, help them create space for themselves. I can only be there as um, a facilitator, but people need to step into that and do the work themselves. I can give them, help them to develop the tools. And if I see people stepping into their power and making that change they want, then that's it. My work is done. You know, and it's an ongoing thing and it's, it's beautiful. I feel like I feel honored that, um, people, human, women, whoever I work with, trust me. They trust me to enough to open up and share. There's no judgment. I don't judge. No, I, you know, it's, and I mean, this is nobody's perfect. Obviously I need to do a lot of work on myself. I get triggered. Maybe somebody tells me something. I'm like, whoa, why did that? What, what's going on inside me? So I need to do self care. And when I engage, it's like now we're engaging everything else is, you know, whatever's in my life, it's put on a shelf and I'm just present. I think this is, this is also what we all, we humans seek so much. We seek the presence of another to be fully seen, to be listened to. And a lot of it is just, it's the first time that somebody shares their story and there's somebody else sitting across and listening with full presence and that in itself is so healing yes you know yeah. i mean that's all it sometimes it takes by letting it out verbally move through the body from the brain or the heart out and by speaking it out it's gone and it's wow it's so powerful it, or it shifted you know into something else yeah. And if I can be the, the container for, the, for this or the facilitator, it's an honor. It's, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I want to ask you something that's quite personal uh, for me. So it's, I know at least five different young men who are very traumatized by their pasts who are really struggling with um, various types of addictions, various types of um, substances, shall we say, who believe that they are such bad people that there's no point even trying to engage with a process like this because they're mm. too far gone, they're too broken, it's just too late. If they decided to listen to this podcast what would you want to say to someone like that it's never too late ever it's never and you know and you're not broken the way you are right now is just a survival mechanism that's all in order to survive whatever goes on inside you whatever happened to you whatever trauma you experienced this is what you chose, your body chose to do, your mind chose to do in order to survive up to this very day. So I don't, uh, you know, it's just misplaced love. And then if the person is open, we can start talking about, you know, first, what is the numbing process? Why is, what purpose does this numbing process hold? Let's say it's an addiction. What is the purpose of it? And I think that's the way in. What is the purpose of this? And it's probably a very painful journey and we have to create a very safe environment, but through multiple, multiple sessions and weeks, maybe we can, you know, inch by inch, we can go there and create, maybe it sits in the body somewhere and we, through the body, we find what truly happened that, your friends or these people you know have arrived at that very moment in their life. But I, I, I believe there's hope. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I, uh, it's a message I believe in as well, mm -hmm. that there is always hope and that there is always a channel out or a path to take that um, 
So yes, that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. With your work, do you work only with people in person or do you work online as well? Sometimes? No, it's all online now. Okay. I, I actually have this um, women's circle on Saturday and we're all around the world. It's Zoom. And I love it. And I mean, the, the last Sunday, we all acknowledged how much we feel each other, how safe we feel. I mean, there's always tears. We cry together. It's just, you know, comes, we, we, there's, you know, we work on things and then we, I don't know, it's, it's this, we connected, but in despite, it's amazing that we can do this with Zoom, that we have the technology or whatever, you know, platform we're on. And we still, even so, we're so far away from each other and we see each other digitally and we still connect and we still feel each other and can hold each other. So it's like, I'm so grateful that we, all this happened in the times of technology. Yeah, it's, you know, so it's, it's different. It's a different way of connecting. But I think if you're willing to connect, the connection will be established. Mm -hmm sure yeah so for people that might be you know scattered anywhere across the world if they watch this video and they resonate with what you're saying and they want mm -hmm. to reach out what website should they go to to get in touch with you um well the easiest might be instagram it's permission underscore to underscore bloom and then my website itself is permission to bloom coaching and um yeah we take it from there Fantastic. I'll put yeah. those, uh, the at and the email address up on the screen as well. And in the comments so people can get to oh, Thank easy. you. Claudia, it's been so cool to talk to you today about all of this. Your work is so important and so moving. I mean, for me, just to hear about, so I can only imagine how deeply it moves the people you work with. And thank you for mm. sitting in that space and doing that work. Well, thank you for saying all this. And I don't know. It's this calling. I suddenly had this vision and this is, I think this is my work I supposed to do and yeah. I'm just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and beautiful. thank you for the conversation. I really, truly also appreciated it that we could be here today and exchange on this level. And thank you. Yeah. For creating that container and the platform and the podcast. So for exchanging. <laughs> thank you, Claudia. Is there any last message you want to leave people with before we go? Yeah. Um, really think about how alive you are and don't postpone anything for later and really try to look around in your environment. And even if you think there's nothing, there's so much and try to step and you find your way way into this feeling of aliveness of let's say a four year old like your your fiance's sister you know yeah. and go and smell the flowers <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful thank you so much claudia thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Yeti Voice podcast. If you resonate with what Claudia was saying, be sure to look in the description for all of her details so you can reach out to her and get her help in your life. Thank you once again for listening and be sure to tune in to the next episode. Cheerio.